1: happy, 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 happy Friday, Kirst. Good Friday to you, Amy, and your lovely sister, Sarah. Hello, hello.
2: Oh, Sarah, this is why I'm so happy is I like, have you on the podcast. I don't think we've ever interviewed a sibling on the podcast ever, ever.
1: I'm pretty excited.
2: <gasps> We're very excited.
1: Listen to that Queensland accent coming out <laughs> already. Lovely. <laughs>
3: It's a bit different um, to when I used to live in Melbourne, hey? Yeah,
1: just uh, just slightly. <laughs> How long have you lived in Queensland for now, Sarah?
3: Um, I would have moved up and started 2018, so 12 years, 12 and a half years.
1: 2008, do you mean? Eight. Sorry, 2008,
3: yes. I clarify <laughs> that. I was like, two years? You've been there way longer than two years. (laughs) Time flies when you're having fun.
1: (laughs) Making babies and building
2: a life. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. (laughs)
0: That's so so good.
1: Yeah, 12 years.
2: So um, I feel like we need to give some backstory, Sarah, because Sarah is my sister and anyone who has seen photos of us on Facebook will know that we're sisters because everyone thinks that we look exactly the same. Sarah, tell us about what Facebook thinks of our faces. So every time
3: a photo of Amy gets uploaded to Facebook by Amy or any of her friends, it automatically tags me in it. So I'll, I don't get notifications on Facebook on my phone, but I'll open Facebook and it'll be like, you've been tagged in Sydney with Kirsty. I'm like, that would be lovely, but <laughs> actually my sister Amy. Or some <laughs> random people tag me. I'm like, I don't even know who this person is. And now I go, oh, hang on, it's Amy and it's one of Amy's friends. And I don't actually think me and Amy look that similar. I think she looks like our other sister, Laura, but Facebook disagrees.
2: Yeah, I think we've looked more similar over the last couple of years, but I can't work out how to disable it. Like I want to send a message to Facebook saying, you think that my face is Sarah's face? Because even when I upload an image of like our podcast um, cover art, that's Kirsty and I, it still thinks it's you.
3: Yeah, it's yeah. Even yeah, clear images and yeah, it's always with Kirsty and yeah. Mm.
1: I think it's the glasses.
3: Yeah, that probably could be right. helps. Yeah, curly hair. Yeah,
2: yeah, and we are the two best looking Georgia girls of by
1: far. Of Go to that side. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Sarah, where do yes. you come in the five children?
3: So I am number four. I was the youngest for nine and a half years though. And yes. I still remember when Mum broke the news that I wasn't going to be the youngest anymore. <laughs> I was
0: devastated. Did you cry?
3: <laughs> um, no, but inside I was absolutely devastated. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, but I, then I love being a big sister. And I love
2: yeah. Her. And you are functionally the youngest as well. Like I think by after nine and a half years of being the youngest, then Beck almost became another firstborn.
1: Yeah, in some ways, you're correct. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that's what happens with big gaps. It's yeah. like a second family. Yes, yes. Even so though she was a mini you too,
3: and that's why Beck's the fun auntie. Like yes, all our kids just love her because she's mm-hmm. you know she's an adult, but she's also so much fun.
2: Well, she's closer in age to my kids than she is to me. That's right.
3: Yeah.
1: So, what's the difference between you two?
3: Five years. Yeah, between me and Amy.
2: I think, so that's that's establishing, Sarah, you and I, but there's yes. also a history of you and Kirsty that I think we need to explore. <laughs> you two got have a few
3: histories. Yes,
2: yes. Can you two tell us about it?
3: Uh, probably the first connection, Kirsty, was probably your sister Jackie was my youth group leader probably first when I was
4: yes. about
3: 13 in year eight. So that's probably yes. how I first connected to your family. And then in my teens, from about 15 to 17, 17 I dated your brother Phil so I spent a lot of time at your house in those yeah days.
1: so you probably you have you listened to our episode with my mum yet I haven't
3: yet homeschooling is taking, <laughs> You're taking over
1: yeah yes. that's fair or, enough or it was only released, <laughs> yeah it was only released a couple of hours ago so you are forgiven yeah, thank you. so yesterday when we interviewed my mum Amy was talking about coming over to our house and I asked her what she remembered and then she reminded me that she doesn't have a great memory (laughs) but so you probably have a better memory and you were there a whole heap more than Amy was so can you tell us what you remember of our home um, my home when you were hanging out with us
3: um I probably remember it being relaxed so there was always different people coming and going everything was shared so you know, when it was dinner time, your mum would cook or I think maybe your dad would help out sometime. But I just remember, you know, you had that big table near the stairs and whoever there was welcome to share with the food. And you had that awesome area upstairs where everyone just kind of hung out and going.
1: <laughs> what was I like? Was I a lovely big sister to Phil and you or was I not so lovely?
3: I think you were a little bit scary. Like, <laughs> because... <laughs> I knew Jackie from being youth group leader. She was my youth group leader for a lot of that time. So I had that relationship with her. And Larissa was kind of Laura's friend and only a couple of years older. But you were kind of, I don't know if you were at uni at the time, but I think you're more, you know, the responsible older sister, maybe a little bit bossy sometimes. But you're yeah. still always lovely to me. But I probably. <laughs> spend as much time with
1: you. <laughs> yeah, there is there is 9 years between Phil and I So yeah, the same right. difference between you and Beck is between Phil and I. So if you yeah. are you the same age as Phil?
3: Um I'm a year older.
1: You're older. Yeah. So when Phil was 14, I was 21 right. and then when you, so I was 21, 22, 23. So yeah. I was out working and yeah, different phases of life. Yeah. But you Met my husband when he came on the scene because you were both on the scene. You both started going out with us, similar times. Or well, like you were right. there when yeah. I started going out with Simon. So, what was your initial impressions of Simon?
3: I have. Be honest. It's fine. I, <laughs> 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 I have one time which I remember very clearly. So, um, your family had rented a holiday house down at Apollo Bay, which on Great Ocean Road in Victoria, and we all lived in Melbourne and. Um, the partners were invited along for a couple of nights to come stay and it worked out that I think everyone else was down there except me and Simon. So Simon offered to drive me down. That would have been about 16 years old and I was so nervous because I was like, I don't know, maybe two-and-a-half-hour trip and I was worried how we're going to fill the silences, if it was going to be really awkward and, you know, awkward 16-year-old girl going in a car with I don't know how old Simon was, early 20s.
1: Um, Mid twenties, he, yeah, right. he would have been twenty five. Yeah, he would have been twenty five
3: when you're like 15, 16 <laughs> Yeah,
1: that's a, a lot big older. difference there. Yeah, yeah. That's massive. That's yeah, and
3: I'd obviously met him a few times before this, but um, yeah. And the car trip was really easy. Like we played some music and we had things to talk about the whole way down. It was absolutely lovely, and I was dreading it before that. I was so nervous. That's the
1: was best. that the holiday? Yeah, it's pretty cool yeah. memory. Thank you for sharing that, Sarah. Was that this is dropping my brothers in it. Was that um the holiday that my brothers shared a little bit too much skin with everybody through a window?
3: I cannot remember that
1: at <laughs> all. <laughs> Sounds like something the Thompson boys would
2: do. Yeah.
3: No, yeah. I only I, I, I remember the house and I remember the car trip with Simon. That's all I really remember from that few days.
1: Yeah, that's it's so cool.
2: Yeah. And Sarah, I'm oh, sorry, Kirst, you go.
1: No, go. It's
2: fine. <laughs> I was going to say, Sarah, tell us about your family now. Like who's in your family? How many gorgeous kids do you have? Because yeah, you clearly so, didn't
1: marry my brother. No. no. <laughs> uh,
2: sorry, no. Sorry, we, brought, we
3: yeah, went our different ways in the end of high school kind of time. Um, no, so I met my husband Luke um, through his sister and he is a local, been a local, lived in the Witch Sundays um, most of his life. So he came down to Melbourne for two years while I finished uni and then as soon as I finished uni he proposed and wanted to move back up to the Witch Sundays. And so I moved back up here and we've since had um, three boys. So we've got Tommy who's nine, Charlie who's seven and Eddie who's
2: nearly five. And they are the cutest things ever. Do you live in town or do you live on land? How would you describe kind of where you live?
3: Yeah okay so we live on a little hobby farm so it's three acres. We've got a few sheep and chickens and all that kind of thing that we breed. Um, We live about five minutes from town, um, town being Proserpine and that's got a population of about 3,000 people. Um, We also have a beach house so that's about half an hour way down on the coast um it's gorgeous little place only about 50 houses really nice little community down there our closest city is mackay which is about an hour and a half each way and we've kind of got a big w down Ellie beach which is about half an hour way but other than that we're pretty isolated so we've got in town we've got you know a couple little supermarkets and a few specialty shops but if you want to go to do a big shop or Anything like that, you've really got to do a three-hour round trip on the highway. So we are, it is a different lifestyle to being in the city, and you've really got to think about the things you purchase, and you've got to wait for it and you know, do it all in one trip.
1: So what um has uh, your journey on minimalism and decluttering and being organized? Like we know that your mum was super organized. Did you pick up that tendency or were you different growing up and then what does it look like now for you guys?
3: I think I probably sit in the middle somewhere so I'm definitely not as organized as mum and Amy all the time but I go through phases so I like labeling and like having a clean pantry I do a lot of cooking so that area is always pretty organized but then say my linen closet I'll organize it and then six months later it'll be pretty messy again and then I'll do it all again be really happy I'm like yeah I'm going to keep it like this and then I just don't prioritize it and I'll chuck the sheets in with the towels and all that kind of thing so I'm not very good at keeping it organized
1: cool and do you listen to our podcast
3: I don't listen every week but I go through phases of you know doing five episodes in a few days and then I get distracted and go into something else
1: Amy did that the other day, and she got sick of our voices. So, yeah. do you not get sick <laughs> of our voices?
3: No, I kind of like flowing on and going with the same podcast for a few days, mm. and then yeah, and then I just kind of change it up, and then go back and do a few.
2: Yeah, do you know what? Who's you, go Amy? I was going to say, Sarah. The other day, we interviewed Dad. You, you, I know you've heard it, and we asked yeah. him had he listened to our podcast, and he said he would listened to a few. I haven't even told Kirsty this yet. But when I rang him, when it was live, he said, now, how do I download a podcast? (laughs) I said, dad, you you told me you've listened to our podcast a few times. He goes, yeah, yeah. The ones that you do on Facebook. I go, no, dad, they're Facebook lives. (laughs) He'd never listened to a podcast. He thought he was doing a Facebook live with us, but with our our videos on, (laughs) So just a verbal oh, Facebook,
1: John. Yeah, oh, so I
2: I'm not sure he knew what a podcast was, but he still no. eagerly agreed to come on it.
3: Which is lovely.
2: Which is so lovely. I love
3: podcasts. So I'm, I've am got my kids at school when, you know, COVID-19 isn't happening and when I'm at home doing jobs, you know, hanging out, washing, cooking, mowing the lawn, anything, I always have podcasts going in the car. I love them and having the kids home. You know, for the last six, seven weeks, I'm missing listening to my podcast as
1: much. Me too. Mm. I just put that on a Facebook page today. Somebody oh, was asking about something like Australian podcasters, something, something. And they were saying, oh, um, and I said, oh, we've had great numbers during our during COVID because they were all asking about COVID and how it's affected their podcasting. And I said, oh, we've had great numbers, but that's because we're doing daily episodes i i I still don't think we've got the amount of listeners the amount of listeners has dropped off but people are listening every the people who are listening every day are listening every day um and and i said on the in my post about it i said but i haven't listened to i've only listened to one podcast in seven weeks
2: and
1: like it's because i just don't have any time to listen because i've listened to to f- around me all the time
2: i've listened to four already today and it's lunchtime oh i'm yes. jealous amy <laughs> yes sarah amy. what do you like listening to what are your favorite podcasts
1: uh true crime yeah
2: okay me too Yeah.
1: and sarah who's your favorite host of the art of decluttering
3: oh go on i think you've, I think you've both got great quality <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: Not That's even right going to be loyal, come on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, Sarah, a couple of the reasons that we wanted to get you on is because you do live, are You would you classify yourself as rural or is it country? What, what is no, it's it?
3: Definitely, yeah, it's rural.
2: Okay. So yeah. uh, we've had a lot of questions over the last couple of years saying, you know, all what you're sharing is well and good, but you girls live in a city and the majority yeah. of the clients you do are in the city. And so we thought a great opportunity too to get some insight from you. So as well as Living Rural, you can tell us about what that's like when it comes to decluttering, but also tell us what your family manages.
3: Yeah, so um, Luke and his family have been managing the local landfills for I think nearly 20 years. So it goes by landfill, dump, tip, whichever you like to call it. So I guess that adds a whole new view to seeing how people declutter.
2: Yeah, and you work there too, part-time.
3: Yeah, so I um, do one Sunday a month at the moment in the Weybridge office, so every single person that comes into the landfill with a load, they have to come um, over the Weybridge and I've got to see the load that they've got and look at the rubbish, you know, from the window. I don't get in there and play with it, but (laughs) I do a visual on it.
2: (laughs) Awesome. So just give us some insight. Tell us what it's like when you're decluttering. What are your options for donations Um, yeah, tell us all the things.
3: Yeah. So I'm rural, but there's also people that are classified as remote. So being rural, we have, you know, we live near town or we have cities within a couple of hours. So we've actually got in our small town of 3000 people, we've actually got three op shops and they're all run by churches and they're really there to help give back to the community. So it's all, you know. I know um, people that run a few of them and it's mostly elderly population that run them. And I guess what we've picked up from them is that when people are decluttering and they take their things to the op shop, if it's not good quality that they can sell it, then that's taking resources from the op shop and then they're having to sort it and then they've got to bring it to landfill anyway. So it's just been double handled. and this elderly population, they're having to sort it, they're having to load into a ute, they're having to bring it to the landfill and then we're having to process it anyway. So I think people, you know, it's good to be mindful of if it is going to be valuable to someone else, if it is going to be able to, you know, be putting that op shop up for sale or whether you're better off just taking it to landfill. But where we are in with Sunday Regional Council, um, we're one of the few councils I think that you actually can, all domestic waste, can be um, taken to landfill for free. So whether that be a fridge, a couch, you know, toaster, clothes, anything, it doesn't cost you to bring it to the landfill and dump. Whereas a lot of places, you know, you might get your hard waste collection twice a year, but if you want to take a load to the dump, it might cost you ninety dollars in the cities. Yeah. So I think that changes people's mentality too. As if you know, if they can't take it to dump for free, well, I'm going to take it to the op shop. Hopefully they can use it, but if not, I don't have to worry about it.
1: Yeah, so how does that play out in your, um, in your area? Do you see things in the tip that could, um, that you think would be re-put re, like put into the op shops or do you, yeah, what does that look yeah, like?
3: Yeah, definitely. I think it's easier for people to just put it all in one load and like think about it and bring it to landfill rather than thinking about, okay, what can go to the op shop, what can go to the landfill And actually separating it and, you know, stopping off on the way to the op shop or, you know, and especially big items. We see a lot of um, bikes and, you know, kids' trikes and trampolines, all that kind of thing, which might not necessarily be able to go to an op shop, but could be given away, you know, through Gumtree or Facebook or different avenues. And it's just easier for people just to come to the dump with them.
1: You'd yeah, so it's a bit of a catch twenty-two, hey, mm. like with the tip being free.
3: Yes, that's right. People and especially doing um COVID nineteen like we're in. So I think it's Australia wide, none of the op shops are actually taking goods at the moment. And obviously people are home a bit more, so they're doing big clear outs. And so on I work both weekends and we have seen so much coming in and people said to me, I said, Oh, we would normally donate it, but you know, we don't want to hold on to it and all close. So they're just dumping it.
2: Sarah you've um in the past picked up some pretty amazing things that people have been bringing to the tip I remember once when we came up to visit you my kids still talk about the barbie car like the full-on riding car that had room for multiple passengers do you see lots of things like that come through the tip that are incredible and would even sell like people could sell them on Gumtree, not just give them away
3: Yeah, so some, um, a lot of landfills actually have a tip shop on site, so um, our regional council next to us, Mackay Regional Council, they do have the tip shop, and so they do have someone there who goes through, pulls out things that are salvageable or worth a bit of money, and then they sell them in a separate part of the landfill. Um, We don't have the capacity to do that at ours because health and safety these days, and we're just a smaller um, landfill, so we've only got a couple of people on staff um, at any given time. and yeah it's just not worth it for us but yeah you definitely see some things and you just think oh it's a shame you know mm-hmm. to have it there but sometimes at the at the area there's area where you do um dump your load people might leave out things like if it's in good condition like a fish tank or kids trikes or something they might just leave it to the side and then you know you might get someone else that drives up and takes it but oh that's good Yeah, it's not really encouraged so much from a council point of view. So, we manage the landfill for council. Council still own it. But, yeah, a lot of people do do that. And in our rural area, so the town in town has a bin collection, like your really bin collection, but there's a lot of properties, you know, 50 ks away or, you know, 30 ks away that don't have a bin collection. They actually have what we call transfer station or satellite transfer station. So, they have a few big skip bins and... You know, you might have 100 houses that live within 20Ks that all use these skip bins. So they just, and they get collected once a week and taken to the landfill. So, in those, a lot of people, if something is worth keeping and they don't want to take it to the op shop, then they will leave them next to the skip bin and they might stay there for a couple of weeks before someone will pick them up. But so that's a nice little way of, that the people give back to each other. Or, if, yeah, if they think it's worth keeping but they don't need it, they'll just leave it beside it instead of putting it inside.
2: That's a great idea.
1: Yeah. So challenging being in rural or remote areas uh, because you do have that big tension between, you know, there's only 3,000 people in our town. I'm not sure if anybody in this town needs this. That's um, right. Compared to in the city where there's 5 million people and even in, you know, even in my suburb that my op shop services, there's more than 3,000 people. So there's a bigger turnover. In stock in an op shop in the city.
3: Mm, definitely. And a remote, you know, again, is something completely different. And a lot of um, people who live remote on big stations, they have their own little landfill dumping area, you know, between two gullies that they use. So they're not going to, you know, they won't have an op shop for 600 kilometres. You're not going to go take it there. Can you tell
2: yeah, us if yeah, you, you know don't have the-
1: neighbours? You don't have neighbours yeah. close by to swing no. up and go, Hey, I know your kids are a little bit younger than me. Do you wanna do you wanna take it? Because yeah. it's st- another three hundred kilometers away.
3: But I think being rural and being remote, when we do purchase things, we think about it more because we can't just nick down to Kmart and get what we need that day. I like I know myself, so I've got a big W half an hour away and that's kind of the only department store within a three hour round trip. But even there, I don't, it costs me $20 in fuel. It might be half an hour away, but, you know, that's a 60K round trip. So I don't go down if I need, say, kids near a pair of runners. I don't just go down to Big W and buy them that day. I'll wait and save up till I've got a few things on my list and then, you know, and go once every two weeks. And that means that I'm thinking about the purchases more because I'm making myself wait. Whereas if I think if I had shops 10 minutes away and a variety of shops, I will just go down and get it more easily. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, which is, that's what I was going to ask about. I was like, oh, does it, um, I have you noticed your intentionality being very different to what it was when you were growing up?
3: Yeah, definitely. But, I mean, online shopping has changed that as well. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, which is, I'm pretty bad for online shopping, but, um, and seeing we're not travelling as far with everything going on at the moment, um, COVID-19, you know, you're not allowed to travel 300 k to go to the shops. So, yeah, it's more online shopping. But then the post takes a long time. So then I'm like, is it really worth it? Like, do I really need this if I'm not going to get it for a month? So, yeah, it has changed it definitely from living in the city where you can just nick out and be back in 20 minutes or mm-hmm. you've got, you know, 10 different shops to choose from and compare to.
1: Yeah, and so you feel like COVID has even changed that even more because you know that the post Mm. is being delayed at the
0: moment.
3: Definitely. It's definitely changed it for me, yes. Hold
0: up. What was that?
4: That's stamps.com. Code program.
2: Can I get you to go? A second ago you were talking about um, r- like really rural stations and stuff having their own landfill. I oh, had right. a yep. Yeah, remote, sorry. I had a, um, a virtual client the other day that had that. So she was piling all the rubbish together and then she was like, oh, so I'm going to put that in the back of the ute and my husband will drive it to our pit. And I was like, mm. oh, I think that's what Sarah's talked to me about before. So how does that work? Do you know the details of that?
3: Um, well, a lot of, yeah, properties do it, but it's, just, it's usually between two gullies, so it's a, you know, deep area. And so you can fill it up and then it'll eventually be level with the rest, you know, with that area of land. You wouldn't just put it on a flat piece of land because then you get a hill. Right. Which is what, so where our landfill in Crosspoint is, it's only hill in the hollow Proserpine because it's basically a hill of rubbish.
2: <laughs> and you can see that from your bedroom window, can't you?
3: Uh, yes. There was a fire last week at the landfill at oh, no. 9 o'clock at night and I sat down to have a cup of tea and I looked out the window and I said to my husband, I said, um, there's a fire at landfill. I can see the flames, the smoke, the machines. You better go put it out. And he's like, oh. So it is handy living near the <laughs> landfill <laughs> except for when <laughs> the wind blows the wrong way.
2: Um, oh. but no,
3: back to the pit in, yeah, remote in remote properties. Um, they do have landfills, um, little landfills, but it might be a 200k trip away. So, ah,
2: right.
3: they actually, a lot of we've got some friends who live in farms and they might only be half an hour away from us, but they don't get rubbish bin collection. They might, you know, only get a couple of passes a year if they're in a different shire to go to the landfill. So, they actually burn a lot of their rubbish.
2: Okay.
3: Um, and then, yeah, they might have a pit or, you know, might have a gully or a pit or somewhere on their property. I'm talking like, you know, big properties, not 10-acre properties.
2: Yeah, yeah.
3: Um, And, yeah, so they'll just put all their rubbish in there and, you know, I guess when they get some fill, they probably cover it up every now and again with some clean dirt or, and just compact it and stuff. But, yeah, that's Hmm. the way a lot of remote people do it.
2: Interesting. Thank you. I find that really interesting because we're always restricted by like the, I don't know how many liters our bins are. Let's say they're 300 liters or something and you're restricted by that and you're conscious of that. But I think when you're physically, you're the one disposing of it. Mm. You're even more conscious because it's, you have the full life cycle of that piece of like that item that you buy. You buy it, you use it, and then you're the one disposing of it.
3: Yeah, it's staying on your property forever. Yeah. 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 And then
1: yeah. You, can, right. you can go and see that plastic toy you bought for your children 50 years later.
3: Yes.
1: Yeah. Terrifying. <laughs> yeah. And then generations to come, we'll still be able to find that plastic toy <laughs> as well. <laughs> it is really fascinating. You live a fascinating life, Sarah. Oh,
2: part of it. Sarah, <laughs> <laughs> so you, have you ever heard of a professional organiser in any of, like in your area? No, I have not. Hmm, I wonder if there is. And I, I would love to hear from um, professional organisers in rural or remote areas and how, how that looks um, just as a matter of interest.
1: So what type of things end up in, what's like the, some of the most fascinating things that you've say, seen at your tip that you would it would be donatable if it was in the city?
3: Um. I think probably the most I don't know if it's fascinating probably most common thing is bikes and scooters and it's not just kids bikes adult bikes like you see a lot of them come in and you kind of think that could you know still be going for a few more years or someone could get a new chain and fix that up so that's probably the most yeah common thing we see coming in
2: um so That's interesting given that there's not a bike shop in town. So if someone wants a bike, they actually have to go to a fair bit of effort to get one. Maybe there's a business opportunity for someone in town just to say, bring your old bikes here and I'll do them up and we'll resell them for like 50 bucks a bike.
3: Can I burst your bubble? There is a guy that actually does it in town.
2: Oh, that's the best. <laughs> yep. Don't burst my bubble. That's exciting.
3: <laughs> okay. No, there is. And there is a down at um Airlie, so it's about half an hour from us. There is um like a sports shop which sells bikes and B&W yep. sell yourself, um some of your cheaper bikes. But yeah, that's probably the most common thing I see come in and kids' toys, so many kids' toys, like you know, the big plastic ones that, yeah just take up space I guess and that's probably the thing we're buying big things that only last you know going to hold your kids interest for a couple of years that's what we see a lot of coming come into the dump um I'm not sure what else yeah a lot of a lot of white goods they're just not built the way they were I sound like I'm old now but they really aren't (laughs) over 30 but yeah they really aren't like I know myself you know, you get appliances and we now get this seven year extra care because they don't normally last seven years and I find that really frustrating for everyone. You'd rather pay a bit extra and it be built well and last than seeing it go into landfill.
1: Yeah. That's a it's yes. It would be lovely if we lived in a world where the where every um, creator designed it with circular economy in mind mm. like how is this going to end up how can mm. we repurpose it into into use again whether it be just by manufacturing it well so it does last generations or you know how how do we repurpose things so we'll get there hopefully sooner rather than later yeah
3: we have
1: I, um oh you go,
2: say you go
3: I was going to say, um, I'm not sure if they've got it down in Victoria now, but um, early or last year the government in Queensland brought in 10 cents return for cans and bottles. So that's made a massive difference to recycling in the area. Where is that located? And, well, there was actually, they're actually all over. So it used to be, you would, they used to have bins um, at a lot of the pubs around, like bottle shops around and stuff. So there was one in pond a couple down alleyway, and you—it was almost like a donation bin. You'd have to register your number, bag them all up, um, and then put them in this bin, and then you'd get the money put into your account electronically. Cool. And then it's become so big they've actually got depots where they have employ, you know, two or three people there full time to take your recyclable, so your cans and bottles, and you get on the spot cash back for them. So that's made a massive difference to the amount of um, those products that we have coming into landfill.
2: So yeah, let's talk about food for a minute. Um, I know you've got a... Do you still have a refrigerator in the back of your car? I do, yes. So... I think buying food when you're rural is very different to buying food in the city. Like if we, <clears throat> excuse me, if we want something, we just pop down to Coles and get it. You've got mm-hmm. deep freezers, and you guys do a lot of um, fishing and that kind of thing. How does food waste change when you're living rural than when you're living in the city?
3: I feel like the products, the fresh fruit that we do get here, a lot of it isn't as good a quality as the cities because it has to travel so far. So we're about a um, 13 hour truck drive from Brisbane and we're lucky that um, in our town closest north of us, Bowen, about an hour away, they actually do grow um, tomatoes, capsicum, mangoes, that kind of thing. So that kind of produce is lovely and fresh if you get it from the farms, but the produce that you get from, um, you know, woolies and coals and IGA, it's travelled a lot further to get here. It's you know, taken a lot longer. So I don't find from being in the city and even when I go down there, you know, once a year for holidays, I don't find it's as fresh and as good a quality. So I don't actually find it lasts as long. But at the same time, I don't want to be going to the supermarket every second day. And especially when I was living, you know, 35 minutes out of town each way and I would have to do hour round trip just to get, you know, a loaf of bread or some milk you do once a week shop and then that's it and you try and make it last the whole week but the quality doesn't always last and I find it's a lot more expensive as well whether that's you know the transport costs or what it is it's definitely different and so we do have big freezers and we do um do some of our own animals for our food and it's just our way of teaching the kids you know where their food comes from and it's also for us it's a lot better quality and mm. it's better for the environment long term than you know getting beef shipped up from new south wales or wherever it comes from um depending on the season and what animals you're having yeah so that's how we've done it but yeah i, I love do that do idea find, yeah i do find local green there is one local green grocer down the way and i only get down there um you know once or once a week or once every two weeks, but I do find they try buy from the local farmers and it is a lot better quality, but it's just not always an option
2: for us. Mm. And I guess food waste is um, frowned upon in the sense that if you've got something that's going off, you're more likely to cook with it than just chuck it out because it's only going to cost you $2 to pick it up again at the supermarket.
3: Yeah, that's right, but when it's not, you know readily available and, and sometimes you know I might want some fresh parsley or I might want some squash and I'll have to go to both supermarkets in town and they might have it but they still might not neither might have it that week so you just don't have the variety either
2: yeah oh, so I could talk to you for hours on this stuff sir <laughs>
1: <laughs> it is very fascinating Thank you, Sarah, for sharing your life. A little bit of a little insight into your life living in the beautiful Whit Sundays. What's the best thing about living in the wit Sundays?
3: I think it's just the relaxed um, lifestyle. Hey, just no one makes, hey. no one commits. Yeah, hey, <laughs> no one ever can do anything. You can't say, oh, you know, and Saturday two weeks, we'll have a barbecue lunch because everyone up here loves fishing. And if the weather comes good for fishing, then that's what takes priority. So it'll be like, yeah, we can have a barbecue if the weather doesn't come good. So that took a bit of adjusting too, but that's just, you know, the way everyone thinks. Just don't want to lock ourselves in, you know. The weather might come good and then we'll go fishing or boating or camping. So, yeah, it is nice and I think it's good for the kids having that lifestyle.
2: Yeah, the kids love it. They're just barefoot on the farm. What's the rule, Sarah, with shoes in your town? for your kids?
3: For my kids, they need to wear shoes at hospital, doctors and restaurants. And that is it. I they have to wear them at school now. But when Luke went to school here, he didn't have to wear shoes until grade six to get prepared for high school. So primary <laughs> school, they didn't have to wear shoes. I so love that. Yeah, he's 38. So this is, you know, a few years ago. And he thinks it's a bit ridiculous that the kids have to wear shoes to school now. But
2: at kinder, they didn't have to wear shoes, did they?
3: They encourage them not to wear shoes at kinder, yes. <laughs> when, they do, when they do athletics carnivals at school, you are allowed to have no shoes.
2: It's the best. I just, Maybe there. not with shot
3: put, but running races.
2: So good. <laughs>
1: yeah, oh, so what a different, different world, is. world Queensland is, different. is. Far north <laughs> Queensland.
2: <laughs> yeah. Hopefully yeah. once these travel restrictions lift, uh, we'll all be able to see each other again. But oh, this, is, this has been awesome, Sarah. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing all your wisdom on pretty much every area of life in rural living. You are oh. going to make so many of our listeners so very happy. I hope so.
1: I am like waiting for COVID to finish so I can look up flights to Prospine.
2: <laughs> I'll take you best. out in the boat.
1: Yeah, yeah and we can train together.
2: Yeah, sounds good. <clears throat> you two are awesome (laughs) sarah thank you thank you thank you thank you um we really appreciate your time and i love you and um yeah enjoy the afternoon homeschooling the kids oh thanks for having me it was good to chat
1: oh it's so lovely to um speak to you in person for the first time in a long time even though we're facebook friends and we you know comment on each other's posts and stuff i'm super excited that you were free to come on today so thank you sarah
2: no thanks guys All right, friends, we will see you tomorrow for a special Saturday episode where we'll be interviewing children that are in Kirstys and my families. And I think that this probably will be the last Saturday episode as part of the ISO series because I am going back to seeing clients next week. And so we're wanting to um, appropriately manage how many podcasts we try and get out to you all. So this will be the last Saturday one for a little while and yeah, enjoy. I hope you've enjoyed today and we'll see you tomorrow.
1: See ya. Bye. Thanks for joining
2: us. If you've learnt something awesome today, we'd love you to leave us a review on iTunes or Facebook
1: so others can find our podcast too. Don't forget you can see the show notes in your podcast app or over at our website, artofdecluttering.com.au. So if there's anything you want more info on, check it out there.
2: If you'd like to join our supporter community, you can do so over at patreon.com slash of decluttering. We hope you have a great rest of your day and enjoy the freedom.
0: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well,